Get ready, Vikings Nation. Welcome to Purple and Gold for Days, where my friend and yours, Mr. Justin Day, dives headfirst into the Purple and Gold universe, delivering the latest updates and commentary on your favorite team, the Minnesota Vikings. What's going on, everybody? This is Justin from Purple and Gold for Days, and this is a Vikings First and Skull production. What is going on, everybody? It is great to have you with me. It'd be greater if our team could just get a W for a change. I mean, is that so much to ask? I mean, the last time we actually saw the Minnesota Vikings win a game was in Soldier Field in an utterly meaningless game before the playoffs last season. But that's all right. Win or lose, we support our team, and we love our team. And sometimes loving your team means you got to give them tough love. And sometimes you have to say things that you don't want to say, and more importantly, you have to hear things you don't want to hear. Everybody's pointing at everybody, and the fan base is all pointing in different directions. And what's funny about this fan base is that why is it we have to point in one direction? Stop turning the ball over. Football 101. Whoever wins the turnover battle has an 85% chance of winning, regardless of which team is better, which team has the better quarterback, which team has the better players. It don't matter. If you do not stop turning the ball over, you're not going to win a game, much less be competitive for anything other than maybe the number one pick. TJ Hawkinson. You done missed all of training camp because you had a backache and an ear infection, which we all know was a bologna sandwich. You were just holding out to get your contract done without getting fined. And I don't blame you for that. But at the end of the day, TJ Hawkinson, I'm sorry. That fumble is inexcusable. Kirk Cousins hits you between that eight and seven. I'm not going to say nothing bad about Kirk on that play. That's for Dagon sure, because he put it in the right spot. You know, that first week interception on the goal line with under two minutes against Tampa Bay, you can make the argument that maybe Kirk could have placed the ball better. Not yesterday. That is 100% on TJ Hawkinson. I get it. You're a tight end. You got guys about to hit you, and that did hit you. But you got to hold on to that ball. Your defense gave you a three and out. You got the ball. You're moving the ball down the field, and boom, fumble, turnover. And you knew right then and there, oh, no, here we go again. Alexander Madison, love you, bro. And what you had to endure last week was another bologna sandwich. I'm not going to give that any more clout because it was ridiculous. But we got rid of Dalvin Cook because they believed in you, bro. I I endorsed getting rid of Dalvin Cook, said that Alexander Madison was ready to be the head of a committee. It's clear that Alexander Madison is not a number one running back. So what are we to make of this? Well, last week I said, you need to give Alexander Madison more carries. You need to get him into a rhythm. You need to lather him up. And you need to make sure that you're not just giving him either eight or 11 carries. And they came out and they tried establishing the run. And for the most part, they did a good job. Didn't like the fact that Justin Jefferson didn't get a pass thrown to him until the middle of the second quarter. But Alexander, you got to hold on to the ball. And realistically, you should have had at least one fumble yesterday. The one that they took back saying your forward progress was stopped was a chintzy call. Now, I don't care that the Vikings, my team benefited from it. It was a chintzy call. And if the roles had been reversed, and we had gotten a fumble, 
and it was ruled in uh, not a fumble, his forward progress had been stopped, we would have been outraged by it. We got away with one yesterday. Alexander, we have too many nightmares of Adrian Peterson with fumbles, which was ridiculous considering. Did you know that Adrian Peterson had really strong hands? Like, if you ever shook his hand? Yeah. Okay. In all seriousness, Alexander Madison, TJ Hawkinson, all of you guys on the Vikings offense, stop turning the ball over. You should realistically be 2-1, and one, and you could even argue 3-0 and oh if you hadn't turned the ball over. Now, turnovers are part of the game, but you are averaging, like, what, two and a half, three turnovers a game so far? That's ridiculous. That is high school level, not college level. That's not bad NFL level. That is high school level, ladies and gentlemen. We got to stop turning the ball over. And I'm not going to put it on any one person. I'm not going to put it on just on Kirk. I'm not going to put it on just on TJ Hawkinson or Alexander Madison. But what I am going to put it on is head coach Kevin O'Connell. Y'all went to Amazon to buy these dipsy doodle stick pointers. And we're just walking around the facility, walking around practice, hitting guys. What the hell good did that do you? Seriously? You bought some poker sticks. What do you take those off and use them as um, when, when you're making s'mores at a campfire? Hey, we got some poker sticks here because that's going to help our guys not fumble the daggone ball. Give me a break. The offense contributes 75% of this team's talent, and it's not contributing the equal amount of production. You're moving the ball. Yeah, again, yardage-wise, 475 yards on offense yesterday. Oh, what a great performance. 24 points. You keep fumbling the ball. And it's not a one-week thing. All three weeks, you have turned the ball over multiple times. Multiple times you've turned the ball over. It's not an NFL outfit when you can't limit your turnovers. And by the way, two of your first three games have been at home. You got one extra road game this season. What's going to happen when you get on the road? You can't hang on to the football. Can't win a game at home so far. Turning the ball over. You think you're going to go on the road and win? I'm sorry, but mm -mm -mm. this has got to get cleaned up, and this has got to get cleaned up, like, real quick. Otherwise, this is going to be a long season. This, is going to be this defense is different, but it's no better. And I'm not surprised. It was real easy last year to toss dirt at Ed Donichel and say, he's garbage. He's terrible. He's too 1985 to be a good defensive coordinator. We all saw the problems. He's not bringing any pressure. He's just sitting back and letting the team get picked apart. And a lot of that was true. I'm not saying none of it was true, but what I am saying is this. It was real easy when Donichel got fired to put all the blame on him. And some of us said, well, did we consider maybe that the personnel on defense didn't fit the system? Yes. And did we also consider that maybe the personnel just isn't any good? We got rid of Eric Hendricks, one of our leaders on defense. We didn't bring back Patrick Peterson because we were salary cap strapped. What do we have on defense right now, ladies and gentlemen? We have Daniil Hunter. We got Ivan Pace, we got Josh Metellus, and we've got an okay Harrison Smith. That's it. That is it. Dean Lowry is garbage. I'm sorry. When we signed him from the Green Bay Packers, I immediately said, are we getting Kenny Clark too? Because to me, Dean Lowry got what he got in Green Bay because he's on a line with Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, and previous to that, uh, Zadarius Smith. He's worse than DJ Wanham, and DJ Wanham is just a guy. DJ Wanham had a, a stretch where he got like eight or nine sacks in about a seven-week stretch because he was just playing cleanup duty. You've heard me give that rant before. But the point I'm making here is this. DJ Wanham is better than this Lowry guy. He literally doesn't even take up space. He's not doing anything. 
what do you have on the defense line? Now, now I had thrown my support behind Tyrus Tonga. I thought Tyrus Tonga was going to be a little bit more. You need to get Jaqueline Roy in the starting lineup, and he needs to be in the starting lineup for the rest of the season as far as I'm concerned. I did also forget about Cam Bynum. Let's throw Cam Bynum in that mix too. But all I'm going to say is this. Brian Flores, when we hired him, what did we say? Oh, this guy, he's going to blitz up and down, bring the pressure, bring the aggressiveness. That's true, and he has. And what's the result been? Not all that much different. I think we've got, what, one or two turnovers? Okay, great. All those blitzes yesterday, and not one of them got home. You got one sack because Daniil Hunter swiped the ball down, and it goes down as a strip sack, and that counts. And Daniil Hunter is the only thing on this defensive line that is worth a darn right now. Seriously. And I don't even want to talk about bringing in Akeem Hicks. What's Akeem Hicks going to do at this point? It's the personnel, too. Brian Flores is better than N. Donichelle. Absolutely he is, because he's at least going down swinging. But I said it all summer long, and I said it the first couple of weeks. The difference between Ed Donichel and Brian Flores is going to be simply this. Brian Flores is at least going to swing. He's at least going to blitz, but we ain't getting home. And if we ain't getting home, then it's, all, it's almost detrimental to the uh, idea. Justin Herbert yesterday. He invited the blitz. Why? Because it took guys out of the pass coverage. There would be times he'd be looking at a blitzer come right at him, just sidestep a little bit, toss it right over his head. I mean, honestly, third and 17 to Keenan Allen. Oh, my gosh. Like, seriously, third and 17, and we couldn't get any pressure on him. And the little pressure we got at the end, he just sidestepped and threw right over his head. My goodness, we are in deep doo-doo. If we can't figure out a way to not only get pressure without blitzing but it even we're not even getting home on the blitz what are we going to do for the next 14 games if we cannot get home on the blitz i know justin herbert's a very good quarterback stop some people say he's overrated i'm not going to get into the justin herbert because this is not a podcast for the los angeles chargers of san diego but my goodness that kid got the ball out quick he knew what was coming it's like he had he, he knew every single time we were about to blitz we never got near him holy cow He's got a cannon for an arm. And yeah, (sighs) last year we got a lot of breaks. Our defense got turnovers, but man, oh man, every tip drill went against us yesterday. The tip drill where it hits a Caleb Evans in his hands and then bounces off his helmet into the waiting arms of a uh, Chargers wide receiver for the game-winning touchdown. That went their way. The other thing that went their way, mm, tip drill at the end of the game, that went their way. Oh, and another tip drill where uh, Addison didn't quite bring it in on a tip drill. We were 0 for 3 yesterday, ladies and gentlemen, 0 for 3. You know what? Good teams make luck. We don't rely on luck because good teams just have it. This team is just soft all the way around. It's soft on the offensive line, particularly the interior. It's soft on the defensive line. It's soft in the secondary. Well, I wouldn't say secondary. The safeties aren't soft. but And certainly, Ivan Pace Jr. is not soft. But realistically, by and large, this team is soft. I remember talking this offseason. You know what? Our offense was a top 10 offense, and we replaced Adam Thielen with Jordan Addison, so we can be at least as good, if not better, than what we were last year. We just need the defense to be average, and Brian Flores is just going to have to make our defense average. Well, guess what? Guess what? We're not average. We're just as bad. The ways and means are a little bit different. Because on occasion, we're at least trying to sack the quarterback. And yeah, they did a really good job containing Jalen Hurts at the sacrifice of the run game where what's-his-face almost went for 200 yards against him, uh, Swift, not Taylor. 
But um, I wasn't going to start with Kirk Cousins, but I wasn't going to leave him out of this mess because he is absolutely part of this mess. Is he a whole mess? No, he's not. I'm not saying that Kirk Cousins is a whole mess, but I'm also not listening to anybody who says we can't talk anything about Kirk Cousins that's non-positive. And Kevin O'Connell, I got stuff for him too. Final drive of the game. Actually, final drive of the first half. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot of time left after they scored. And yes, if you had spiked the ball at the end of the second quarter, you would have had a shot to get off a Hail Mary pass. I remember a few years ago, at the end of the first half in a Detroit game, Kirk Cousins hit Kyle Rudolph, the guy we honored yesterday at U.S. Bank Stadium, hit him on a touchdown on a Hail Mary. You spike the ball, you let your guys catch their breath, and you figure out what kind of pass protection and which way you're going to roll it, which side are you going to put the three wide receivers and which side are you going to put the one down. And instead, it was a Chinese fire drill, Keystone Cops. It's like, Kirk, spike the ball. Now, I was willing to let that one go because it's like, all right, we didn't get a chance for a Hail Mary at the end of the first half. At the end of the game, your defense gets you a stop on fourth and one. It was the right call to go for it on fourth and one. Terrible play call. Just have Herbert do a quarterback sneak. The guy's six foot four. I cannot believe they handed the ball off, but I digress. You get the ball at the 25-yard line with over a minute left and no timeouts. That is where you get the ball in overtime in college. 25-yard line, and you couldn't put it in the end zone. Okay, so we had some injuries to Justin Jefferson and TJ Hawkinson. You had to lose five seconds and five yards because you took in a couple extra because you had injury timeouts. You didn't have any timeouts. Okay, fine. You convert on the fourth and five and you get down to the six yard line and there's 41 seconds left. You got this. Okay. Kirk O'Chains is in the building. Just like last year. Didn't play all that well at times during the game, but you are in position to win this game in this critical situation. You're in position to win the football game. For the podcasting audience, this is me with my hands over my ears like he- uh, Kirk did with over his head, over his helmet. Oh, I was trying to hear what the coach was calling to play. First of all, you should know, as a decade plus in the NFL, particularly as a starter, you should know that when you convert on fourth down to the six-yard line to spike the ball immediately, you should not need Kevin O'Connell as Jade uh, adroitly calls him, you shouldn't need to be coddled in that situation. You are not Anthony Richardson. You are not C.J. Stroud. You are not Bryce Young. You are not a second-year quarterback. You're Kirk O'Chain, supposedly. You are a veteran. Some call you a top-five quarterback in the NFL, and you're looking towards the sidelines to get the play. You should know in junior varsity high school football, in that scenario, you spike the ball. You kill the clock. You allow your teammates to catch their breath. He's a robot. He's a computer. He goes with his pre-programmed scenario. Whatever scenario is programmed into his brain, that's what he's going with. He does not have the ability to think on the fly, whether it's during a play, in the pocket, when the pocket's collapsing, or in a situation like that. I'm just the guy who works here. I don't make decisions. I'm not the supervisor. I'm just the worker bee who answers the phone in a call center, even though I'm getting paid $185 million over six years. I'm not a decision maker here. Seriously, Kirk. And I don't want to hear this absolute nonsense about how the crowd was too loud. 
What happens when you convert a fourth down on the road? Your opponent's home crowd is yelling and screaming. Are you going to say, oh, well, the crowd was loud? The audacity that you made fans now sit through three games and you are the quarterback of this team. And you're going to say that the fans made too much noise after we converted on fourth down. Oh, my gosh. You should know to not be lollygagging around. And after about a second and a half, if you haven't heard what the coach is trying to say, you go up there and you say, kill, kill, spiking the ball. Everybody gets set. We can't lose 10 seconds off the clock. We can't lose five yards. Everybody gets set. All right, so now it's second down, and you got 30 seconds left. Well, we were trying to get four plays off. Shut up. No, you weren't. I'm sorry. And let me say this. Is part of that on Kevin O'Connell, too? Yes, it is, and I'll tell you why. He should know that he's going to have to babysit and hold hands with Kirk Cousins for as long as he's got him. He's just going to have to know that. Kevin O'Connell, you should have been doing this. You shouldn't have been trying to speak to him. You shouldn't have been trying to speak to him. And Kevin O'Connell, I got stuff for him, too. And Kevin O'Connell, I got stuff for him, too. His play calling over the first three games, ridiculous. I said you need to get Alexander Madison the ball more. We all did. Want to establish the run. Okay, you want to be more balanced. Okay, I can listen to that. But you, the pendulum swung too far the other way, where you're now trying to jam Alexander Madison down our throats against the worst-ranked defense in the NFL going into the week. The worst yardage and the worst in passing yards. I understand you want to get the run game going. I understand you want to get Alexander Madison lathered up. That's what I said. But you had four targets to Justin Jefferson and Jordan Addison in the first half collectively. There is no reason, no reason at all, that Justin Jefferson shouldn't be targeted through the first quarter. I get it. They only had the first possession, which ultimately ended up in the TJ Hawkinson fumble. And by the time they got the ball back the second time, there was only a couple of minutes left in the quarter. I don't care. I do not care. It's infallible to me how the Los Angeles Chargers managed to target Keenan Allen 20 times for 18 catches and over 200 yards. How in the world you don't do the same thing for Justin Jefferson or at least partial of that? I don't know, 80% of that. Instead of 20 targets, you know, give him 16. I don't care. But to not give him a target and to only give him and Addison four targets total between the two of them for the first half is inexcusable. I know that there's a lot of this fan base that doesn't want to put any blame on Kirk Cousins. And they want to blame KOC. And KOC deserves a lot of heat. And I've been harping on him all three weeks. All three weeks I've been harping on KOC. This team is disorganized. It is nothing short of chaos where you have offensive linemen with false starts in your own building, jumping offsides or lining up offsides on field goal attempts, uh, holding penalties, just completely disorganized at times. It, it is unfathomable to me that this team can be so disorganized at times and yet still put up 475 yards. What would they be doing if they had, I don't know, half the organization that they should? Just half? I mean, honestly, what what is going on here? I get it. It's his second year as a head coach in the NFL. I get it. His defense is mediocre at best. But seriously, Kevin O'Connell, you are the head coach. And everything comes back to you. The turnovers come back to you. The game planning comes back to you. The play calling comes back to you. I don't know if Kevin O'Connell needs to secede uh, the play calling duties to his offensive coordinator so that he can just focus on being the head coach. But for right now, stuff's got to change. And it starts with you. So I'll say again, both Kevin O'Connell and Kirk Cousins trying to say the fans are too loud. I'm going to be honest with you guys. We got rid of Mike Zimmer because he was a tyrant. 
you know, bad working environment, the culture of fear. Well, you know what? Kevin O'Connell has swung the other way. We need to find somewhere in the middle between those two guys who are crying out loud. We got to find somewhere in the middle. Kevin O'Connell, I think he honestly doesn't really buy the crowd noise bit, but he was trying to protect Kirk. And that's what infuriates me about these two. You got one guy who is supposedly a top five quarterback who needs to be coddled. Because you know what? If that was Mike Zimmer yesterday, do you think Mike Zimmer comes out and says, yeah, the crowd was too loud after that fourth down conversion? No. Mike Zimmer would have said, yeah, Kirk should have spiked the ball. And Kevin doesn't want to throw Kirk under the bus that way. I understand you don't want to throw your guy under the bus. But you make yourself look silly. Absolutely silly. When you co-sign on the crowd was too loud after you converted a fourth down to keep the game alive. Get Dalton Reisner in the lineup immediately. Get Ed Ingram's ass on the bench immediately. He's done. I've given him as much benefit of the doubt as I can. That Ed Ingram, that is. I've said, you know what? Maybe this guy got put out there too quick. And maybe the Vikings ruined him because they had no better options. Fine. I'm over it now. I don't care. Get Dalton Reisner in there because guess what? Even if he's not up to game speed, he can't be any worse than Ed Ingram. Kevin O'Connell, you got to be better at all of this. All of it. So no, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, is it all Kevin O'Connell? No. Is it all Kirk Cousins? No. Is it all Brian Flores? No. Is it all the defense? No. But what it is is just a, a combination of Keystone Cops, Dipsy Doodle this, uh, Three Stooges that. This team just ain't very good right now. And they've got too much talent to be this bad. I know. One score games. I know. Turnover margin. Oh, if we just, we're a good team if we don't shoot ourselves in the foot. Good teams don't shoot themselves in the foot, at least not this many times. You cannot shoot yourself in the foot, have this many turnovers, and continue to call yourself a good team. Good teams don't do that for an entire season, much less the first three games of the se- first three games so far. Wazy Dofamensa. I separate his drafting and his free agency into two different buckets. Why? Because draft, you can pretty much control. Free agency, not so much. And the reason I say that is he came in and this team had a salary cap mess of all salary cap mess due to the short-sighted moves that were done by his predecessor, Rick Spielman. It was the right move to bring in Kirk Cousins after going to the NFC Championship game in 2017, thinking that he was a upgrade over case kingdom and in a lot of areas kirk was an upgrade arm strength accuracy that sort of thing he was a downgrade in mobility and that's the one thing the vikings didn't count on but alas 2018 they go eight seven and one 2019 they go ten and six win a wild card game and then they get destroyed by the san francisco 49ers in 2019 that window closed right then and there with that loss ziggy and mark wilf they should have known that the window was closed, and that it was time to pivot. They sold us on Kirk Cousins, saying, hey, we gave him a lot of money, but we only gave him a three-year deal, so if it doesn't work out, we have an out. And they didn't take the out that they built themselves in for. Instead, they signed him to a two-year extension and give him more money, all guaranteed. It's like, wait a minute. You really think you can get rid of Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, and all these other guys on defense, and we're still going to be okay? Our biggest move that season in 2020, or the trade of Yannick Ngakwe, That's all we did. We got rid of a whole bunch of players and brought in Yannick Ngakwe, and we thought we were going to be competitive still. And what did they do? They started out one and five. Then they got to the bye week, and everybody on the planet saying the Vikings should should probably just sell off their pieces and rebuild. Not Ziggy and Mark Wilf. They don't do that. 
Ziggy and Mark Wilf, no, we're going to keep on fighting because we think we fixed some things during this bye week, and we think we can get back into this playoff race. And what did they do? They went 6-4 and four in their last 10 games to finish 7-9, and nine, but they got eliminated in the second to last week of the season. And that's all that Ziggy and Mark Wilf are looking for. Do they want to win a Super Bowl? Of course they do. But their main focus is to just always be competitive and always have a team that doesn't get eliminated by Thanksgiving. Okay, after 2020, when you had an opportunity to pivot, you had another opportunity. But you gave Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman another year to say, okay, they do this every other year, bit back and forth, yada da yada da. We'll give them another year. What we do? We went eight and nine. And what are we doing during these two seasons? We're signing older veteran players to contracts, extending beyond our salary cap means by doing void years and pushing money and kicking the can down the road. That's why we are in the mess we are in right now, ladies and gentlemen. Last offseason, they got rid of Kendricks and Thielen, and they took a lot of dead cap hits. Why? Because if they hadn't, instead of having about $55 million in dead money over our heads in 2024, it would have been closer to about 65, maybe even 70. The Vikings have done for the last five years short-sighted move after short-sighted move. You should never have let Anthony Barr get back in the building. After 2018, he signed with the Jets, and Zimmer and Spielman and the Wills found a way. Well, how did they do that? They pushed money into the future, and they kept doing that. And every year at the start of free agency, they're over the salary cap. So they have to make moves just to get salary cap compliant and then maybe to find a couple million to sign some actual players. They're always bargain bin shopping because they don't have any available salary cap space and they went with the well we're in a super bowl window so we don't mind pushing money into future years because the salary cap is going to keep going up you can do that for a year or two but you can't do it for five years and they've done it for five years this is why we don't have any salary cap space this is why we are signing guys like marcus davenpoop dean lowry and why we're never in the big market for the big fish. This is why we've never signed a guard or two to protect Kirk Cousins, which is why Kirk Cousins is always flustered because there's no guard, very good guards to protect them. Oh, we'll just draft guards and we'll throw them in right away. As I said earlier, Ed Ingram was thrown in right away and he wasn't ready because he needed to sit and develop for a little bit. That's why we are in this situation. In 2017, Diggs, Thielen, they were still on rookie contracts. Think of the roster depth that we had in 2017. We lost our starting quarterback, and we lost our starting running back, and we still got to the NFC Championship game. Now, getting back to the question about Case Keenum, here's what I said about Case at the time. The offensive coordinator, Pat Shermer, was the only offensive coordinator in the Zimmer era that worked because he knew how to be the bridge between Mike Zimmer and any quarterback not named Teddy Bridgewater. And he had accepted the job with the New York Giants. I had said that if Shermer had not left and he was going to continue as our offensive coordinator, then I would have wanted to keep Case Keenum. Now, I'm not going to listen to the Kirk stands and say, well, what has Case Keenum done? Good thing the Vikings didn't keep him. He's been terrible. Well, yeah, he had a magic carpet ride in 2017 because he had Thielen and Diggs with him. And by the way, what has Kirk Cousins had his entire time here? Thielen Diggs, Thielen and Jefferson, Jefferson and Addison. So let's not pretend that Kirk hasn't had talent around him. I know he was a decent quarterback in Washington. Oh, always putting up his 4,000 yards and his 25 touchdowns. All that's all well and good. And again, I'm not blaming him. 
But I do understand the Vikings move at the time. I endorsed the move at the time. And in hindsight, even with how this has turned out, I would still say it's the right move. The wrong move was extending him. The wrong move was not pivoting off of him in 2020 because this roster had eroded. And for as good as Kirk can be at times, he can't overcome all of the roster deficiencies that this team ultimately ended up having. And the roster deficiencies kept piling up and piling up. And he tried to put duct tape over all of these issues by signing bargain bin guys and extending contracts out to older veteran players and signing them to void years and keep pushing money down the road and pushing money down the road. And that's why we are in the mess we are in right now. It's as simple as that. What do we do? You don't tank. Do you strategically say, you know what? We're going to stop pushing our chips in. Yeah, maybe. It's funny to say that after they made a trade for a running back and signed uh, Dalton Reisner. Yeah, if you'd signed Dalton Reisner in the offseason, I would have liked it a lot more than I do now. I've said that a few times, so I won't go through that again. But this team has too much talent to full-on tank. Full-on tank, let's just get the definitions out there. A tank is literally trading away all of your assets and starting from scratch. I am not interested in that. I am interested in saying, okay, I'm keeping Justin Jefferson, I'm keeping TJ Hawkinson, Jordan Addison, uh, my tackles, Ivan Pace, Cam Bynum, and Josh Metellus. Everybody else, everybody else is fair game. If this team, regardless of whether they beat Carolina or not, it's not going to matter. Here's why. You're going to lose to Kansas City. And I saw the dumbest tweet earlier today. Oh, you know, if the Vikings can get it together and stop shooting themselves in the foot, they can beat the Carolina Panthers. And then when Kansas City comes to town, we'll have an advantage over them because by that time, Travis and Taylor Mania will be a distraction to the Kansas City Chiefs. And that'll be an advantage to us where we could possibly beat them. Get the hell out of here with that mess. You're hoping that we can beat the Kansas City Chiefs because you're hoping that Taylor Swift is going to be a distraction to the team. Where are we as a team where we're hoping we can upset the Super Bowl champs because Taylor Swift is a distraction? Stop with that mess. So we're going to lose to Kansas City, going to lose to San Francisco. So let's just say you beat Carolina, Chicago, and you're two and five after that seven game stretch going into Green Bay. And that's around the time of the trading deadline. Yeah. Trade KJ Osborne. Trade Harrison Smith. See if Daniil Hunter will waive his no trade clause. And I think Daniil Hunter probably would. I don't think Daniil Hunter's long for this team after this season. After all the contract disputes that he has, and he wants to go out and get another big bag, and the Vikings don't have the ability to uh, get a big bag, no, don't see Daniel Hunter back on this team. So, yes, if you're two and five or worse, <laughs> one and six or 0 oh and seven, fire sale the whole thing. That's not tanking to trade away Daniel Hunter. It's not tanking to trade away Harrison Smith. It would be tanking to trade away Justin Jefferson. And let me be clear in no uncertain terms, am I trading Justin Jefferson? None. No, I am not trading Justin Jefferson. I'm keeping Justin Jefferson along with Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson in the tackles for the next quarterback, whether we draft somebody in the 2024 draft, whether we find some slappy off the street, or whether we just turn it over to Jaron Hall. I do not care. I want Jefferson on this team to make the transition for the new quarterback a lot smoother and easier. But no, one or two more losses. And like I said, get back to me at the end of week seven after uh, the San Francisco game on Monday Night Football. If we are two and five or worse, yeah, sell off every piece. I mean, we still going to watch the games. We still going to cheer. I'm not cheering for losses. No, I'm not there. And I never will be. What I am is I'm less disappointed when they lose. I was really disappointed when they lost to Tampa Bay. I was really disappointed when they lost yesterday. I was disappointed when they lost to Philly because I'm always disappointed when we lose to Philly. 
But no, I'm not. Tra- I'm not cheering for losses. But am I ready to say that this should be Kirk Cousins' last season with the Minnesota Vikings? Yes, I'm definitely ready to say that. And I'm not saying it's all his fault. So don't come at me with, uh, "Oh, Justin's you know hating on Kirk Cousins and he's saying it's all Kirk Cousins' fault." No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is, yeah, if you're two and five, other than the eight or nine guys that I mentioned, everybody's open for business, and that includes Kirk. This has been a Vikings First and Skull production. Thanks for listening.